Hi everyone and welcome to the Sanya Faruqi show. Today we have somebody joining us from Germany, Seran Atish. She's born in 1963 in Istanbul and has been living in Germany since 1969. She's both a lawyer specialized in family law and an author as a women's rights activist and human rights activist and a Muslim woman. She's one of the most important voices in the fight against religious and tradition related violence. In 2017, Seran opened the Ibn Rushd Ghetto Mosque in Berlin, the first liberal mosque in Germany where men and women pray together and women can take the role of imam leading a prayer. In 2005, Seran was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize as part of the Project 1000 Peace Women. Recently, Seran has been featured in a documentary called Seran Atish: Sex Revolution and Islam. Thank you so much Seran. It is an absolute honor to have you on the Sanya Faruqi show today and I'm really excited to speak to you. Thank you for the invitation Sanya. It's a pleasure and it's an honor for me and uh, especially uh, to have such an uh, audience uh, with your show. This is Thank great you. for the movie and for the mission what we have. Thank yes, you so much. yes. Thank you so much. No, and I look forward to our conversation. I'm going to start by asking a little about your childhood. You know, you your family immigrated from Turkey to Germany. How was it growing up in a new country? You even ran away from your house at the age of 17. So, what made you do that and how did that change your life? Tell us briefly about your journey from that time onwards. Yes. Well, Sonia, you already pointed out the very important uh, points in my life, why I am who, who I am and how I am, as, as it is with all humans all over the world. Our childhood uh, and our parents, our families are influencing us and our careers, our beliefs, everything for what we stand up or not. So the influence in my family was uh, in my very poor Turkish Kurdish family coming from Turkey to Germany was just that my parents go to work. They, they were um, not academicians. They were just um, unskilled uh, factory workers and my mom couldn't uh, read and write. So when she came to Germany in the age of 30, so I, I saw around me women inside the marriage very unhappy. I saw women not educated, no graduated from any university. And me, I, I, myself, I was, I was really, I felt in love with school. Uh, this was the place where I, where I find freedom in opposite to my family, where I was just a girl. And uh, girls don't need to read and write. This was uh, the sentence of my grandfather to my mom. <laughs> so she had no chance for that. And what I want to say is I grew up without gender equality. I grew up uh, in a patriarchal system where I realized very early that men and women are not treated the same in our culture, religion, but not only in our group as guest workers, it was not better in the outside in a German, German majority, but there were, there were many points in the German society which were better than in our life. 
So I, I had always, every day, I had two faces. I had my face at home as a Turkish Kurdish Muslim girl and daughter. And I had another very free, very accepted and very happy face in school. And uh, so in my little wor world as a child and teenager, the world was divided in freedom outside the house and uh, so uh, somehow a jail at home because I was a girl. And this brought, uh, brought me to the point to say, I never ever will accept this kind of life. What many of my cousins had, they were forced marriage. I never ever want a life like my mom who, were, who was not allowed to go to school. So I start fighting for education and I leave my, my parents and my family in the age of 17 because I've realized that I cannot be free and self-determinated in this family. Also in this jail of control, of the social control of the family, of the, uh, yeah, the anti-family, and they are, um, they are influenced by our neighbors, my, my relatives, much more than I want to be. And uh, this is the point that is very important. Uh, briefly of my of my childhood and uh, and my family and the good news are that my mom and my father uh, become my biggest and greatest fan after i uh, could prove that my wish and my vision is just to live free and do a career as a lawyer yeah. And I, I could I could prove that. And um, after a while, it, it takes something like uh, 10 years. My parents were so proud of me that my father, he died, unfortunately, in 2014, so he couldn't see the, the mosque. But my father and my mom, they excused many, many times. They said, so forgive us what we have done. Um, it was not um, coming from our inner. It was yeah. because the surrounding was like that. We are, in the, we are dependent on our so, uh, social surrounding. They excused me and, uh, and um, I asked them to forgive me, <laughs> to judge them because um, they did what everybody did in their yeah. surrounding, in the family. So this is uh, the happy end with my, my parents, the same happy end with, with my, uh, anyway, with my very close uh, relatives. And so maybe, uh, this can give hope to other girls and yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. Stand up. You don't. It's not for guarantee that you will lose everybody of your family. You've been very passionate about law, human rights, gender rights, and inclusivity of LGBTQI in Islam. How did you realize that this would be your calling, both professionally and personally? I realized that when I was fifteen, I was. Um, I was the leader of the uh, of uh, the students' parliament in our school when I was uh, 15 to 17 for two years, and I realized it's good to know what are your rights as a student in the school. So the same, um, uh, you can say the same for women rights and human rights. And in this time, I read a lot about women rights and human rights, and realized, yeah. This is what I want to do. I want to stand up for the people who don't have their own voice, like me. So I fight for my own rights. The same 
time I realized, oh, there are, there are so many other people in the same situation. So why I don't become a lawyer for those people and defend the victims. So I was a def I, I start to be a defender of people who cannot defend themselves very young. And so um, I, I had this, this wish and vision about my career. And I, I followed this red line then after I was 15. And I could, I could make it and I'm thankful that I could make it. Yeah, and it's fantastic and inspirational. So I recently interviewed Nafise Oscar Lorenzen. She's a filmmaker and, uh, you know, watched her documentary film on you called Sera Natish, Sex Revolution in Islam. Before I continue my question, I want to show our viewers a quick look at the trailer and we'll get back to it. You have a fatwa against you. I have police protection since 2006. There are a lot of people who are willing to kill me. Ich wurde von mindestens zwei Kugeln getroffen. Hier. Hier. Und hier. Und ich hatte noch mal gestimmt. Komm, komm, ich mich gestimmt, meine Sinne. Komm, ich muss lernen. How we can help our kids? They are suffering is our religion. I would have done something. I know it for a fact. <laughs> Do you want to go all the way? Yeah. I'm looking for the magic in my religion. We need reformation in Islam, but we cannot wait 500 years. To do the steps. It's time to change. It's a very fantastic film, very powerful film. What made you agree with Nafise when she told you she wanted to make it? And what do you think about it? It's a very personal lens into your life. How easy or difficult was it for you to give Nafise that access? And I know Nafise is told that, um, you know, your mother loved it. So, and like you said, you have very supportive family, you know, your parents uh, opened up to you. And obviously that has been a strong backbone support system for you over the years. But uh, to allow a filmmaker into your personal space, share a little about that experience as well. And what do you think about the film? I love this film. You know, uh, what uh, you have to know and the audience in the time when Nefise uh, came to me or wrote me this email to ask if she can make a documentary about the mosque and about me, or or the first idea was to add me and my, my uh, work in a, in a film where she was uh, doing a documentary about female imams in general. So this yeah. was the first step. And in, the, in this time, this is what I want to underline, oh, I think something like more than 40 uh, production companies asked us for a documentary because open such a mosque was really very special. Yeah. I knew that I worked eight years on this idea. So I knew this will really kind of revolution it's exploding you know uh, it's a, it's a big step for sexual revolution and for reformation in islam to open such a place where people can come it's not like be liberal and private at home 
So we have that uh, practicing everywhere in the world. And when uh, Nifse wrote me this, uh, this uh, email, I understood that she understood me. <laughs> so it was not just uh, doing a documentary about this great highlight in the year. You know? So she wrote me the email like that I could understand she's into it, not just because she's coming from Turkey, she's living in Norway. So it's because she understood the spirituality, what we are doing there. And this very next, very important point, next point is, it's not a movie about me. We discussed this point very times. I, I told her, I'm, I'm tired. I, it's boring for me. So years and years to tell my story. It's not my story, please. So uh, I'm not fishing for compliments. You know, it's, it's really, I love this congregation. It's really not my story just. And when I wrote my biography, I got a lot of letters uh, from Turkish Muslim women um, who thanks uh, for their biography. They said, Seyran, this is not your just your biography. You wrote our story. And thank you that you are telling our stories. And I, I discussed this point very times with Nefise, if she can understand that it's not about me. And even when she's coming in my home and doing this very privacy, I wish she could show that I'm just, um, I'm just one of millions, millions of millions women in the same situation and also boys and youngsters and men. And she could make it. And I'm happy for that. I, I, this is how I see this um, film. I don't see just me, just my story. I see especially the next generation. And I'm thankful for uh, her that she really was one of the very few people who understand. When you come to our mosque and we have an appointment, this is one sentence from Nefes and I love her for that. When you come to our mosque and I have an appointment with you, you will not meet me. You will meet very, very great and interesting people in the mosque. This is really what what happened every Friday, as it was yesterday, for example. So I'm happy for every Friday, every week, and very thankful that people come to say, oh my God, this is, this is really a place what I was looking for years, and now I find my home, so spirituality home. Wonderful. And this is an award, this is the best award that you can yeah. So my, my dream is to go more and more in the back and show all, all the young people in the front and all the stories uh, in the front. Storytelling is my job and defending people as a lawyer. Yeah. But you are also one of the most protected civilian women in Europe. Yeah you are also a female imam how did that happen you've often spoken very openly and critically towards a lot of the islamic religious practices so what inspired you to become an imam how easy or difficult is it for women to uh, pursue this as well as opening the first liberal mosque in germany did you face opposition tell us a little about that as well well the police protection uh, for me is started in 2003. And this is very important. Maybe, Sanya, you don't know that, or maybe you have, uh, yeah, in the film, I, I mentioned that in the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just after I opened the mosque. Yeah. I have police protection. I got it in 2006. After three years, 
from 2003 till 2006, fighting for an own paragraph in German criminal law against forced marriage. Three years, I worked really hard and fight really hard for, um, for this topics and issue. And I speak out a lot of things because of my experiences, my clients. You know, I, I, as a lawyer, I had a lot of clients who were forced marriage. Yeah. And I, I had a lot of cases of young women who should be forced to marry. And I helped them uh, to become a freak. So I got this police protection because I, closed, I had to close my office. The, the danger was so high in 2006 that I had to close my office and I couldn't have an open office anymore as a, as a lawyer. And, uh, but Germany or uh, the government here in, in Berlin said, we cannot accept that in our city, a lawyer, a female lawyer cannot do her job. She, I, I just did my job, you know, as a lawyer. So uh, they offer me, I didn't ask myself, they offer me. Uh, and I, I, I talk uh, so much about this uh, situation because, and um, with many sentences, because please understand that this is the reality in real democracy. Yeah. That the government, the police um, uh, major is coming to you and ask you, can I give you police protection that you can do your work as a human rights activist, as a uh, human rights uh, defender, and as a lawyer, doing a lot of good job for our society. And uh, till this That's point, rare. This, is, this is really important. And I hope people understand that, that this is the most important point when we talk about my police protection and that I don't not live really free. I cannot just take my jacket and my my uh, bag and go out of the house whenever I want. Still today. This is, this is my life still, yes. I cannot just do that. I have uh, right now my own bodyguard team. This is very uh, single. I, I never, nobody else has uh, is protected like that here, uh, as, I, as you mentioned, also in Berlin. I have a own team like uh, other politicians here in in um, in the city. So uh, why would why we need or people like me need police protection and why I need <laughs> such a, a high um, police protection is very simple and very profound. I'm fighting for women rights. You know there are people they just want to kill me because men and women are praying in our mosque together. And because I shout out and I tell the, the public what's going on in patriarchal and archaic um, traditional families. We are not talking about every Muslim family. I'm not talking about every Turkish, Kurdish, Arab family. No, never ever. We are talking about just a group of people in a parallel society where they don't accept democracy, gender equality. There's a lot of homophobia going on, anti-Semitism, and all these topics has to be discussed and debated, and we have to fight uh, against that. And so I'm thankful for my angels that they are around me. They are great people. 
I really suffered and I, 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 I was not very happy the first time when I got the police protection. Believe me, it, is, it was not easy, but psychological, it turned around after a while that I saw the positive uh, things more. And um, I, I worked eight years on the idea to open this mosque, eight years. I know, I, I knew that it will not be very easy. Not everybody will say, oh, great, you opened a liberal mosque, we love you and give you another award, whatever. Not everybody would love that. And in this eight years, when I worked very hard on the, uh, to organize that, I speak, spoke to a lot of people. A lot of people joined to the idea and quit then after a while because of, um, of uh, anxiousness, because they were frightened, because of, um, yeah, they were afraid because of their families or their own life. And so I realized it is really, really dangerous what we are doing. It's really dangerous because we are fighting against political Islam. We are fighting against uh, somehow a, a similar organization like mafia. You know, they are, they are killing people just for very simple um, human rights and human rights. And uh, what I also realized, I learned a lot about my religion myself in those eight years. Yeah. And my first idea was, as a lawyer, I will, I will find a female or male and male imam, and I will, I will be the lawyer in the backyard and organize and do every formal things what we do, what we need, because this is what I can do. This is my main profession. And as an author, I can write the text. But after a while, I realized, what does it mean to be an imam, a female imam? I realized there's nothing, there's no, there, there's not any kind of rule of being an imam. It's not a profession like a pope. It's not, a pro, it's not like, it's not regulated like a rabbine the Jewish people. So it's, it's very, very different. Our religion is an individual religion and it's absolutely basic democratic. It's very, uh, very easy organized. Everybody has his own connection with your heart and God. So there are no rules, no regulations for being an imam. And so I, after I, I read and I practice a lot in my religion, I said, okay, why I'm not myself an imam in the function of the leader of a mosque. So it, I became, I, I got this idea and said, I'm one of the female imams and male imams in our mosque. And the difficulties to, bec uh, to become those imam and liberal uh, imam was there's really not enough, uh, there are not really enough studies or uh, schoolers or uh, literature about that. You have to search yourself. And what we are now doing is we have to create a new kind of um, yeah, educational uh, institute or we have to create um, yeah, and write all the texts ourselves, or bring together everything what what is written and what is practiced all over the world. So this is the challenge what yeah. we are doing now.
Um, you've often been attacked for taking a stand against ex Islamic extremism, for rights of LGBTQ in Islam, gender rights, for a more progressive and inclusive Islam as a religion. Um, you've also said that Islam needs a sexual re revolution. Do you think it's possible? Are you seeing changes within the Muslim community? And what is progressive liberal Islam and why are people in 2021 still against it? So to stand up for LGBTIQ rights and for gender rights was anyway the first idea why I had the idea to open a liberal mosque because of my own story and because I myself as a women rights activist, as female and as a bisexual woman, I said, okay, why I cannot live openly with all, everything what I am? You know, why, why I have to be ashamed about who I am? And why I was treated like that, because I'm a woman in a mosque, for example. I never ever felt so so badly discriminated um, like I, I felt in mosques uh, as a woman. Because people told me when I go in a mosque, so in, in further times in Istanbul, for example, in Sultan Ahmed, or, and I have seen a, a, a button uh, in the mosque with a woman, and crossed uh, that she's not allowed to go in the front of the mosque, you know, so we're in the, to the masjid to, to pray there uh, because this is just a lot for the men. And when, uh, when men and women were very aggressively uh, covering your shoulder or, or, or giving you a headscarf and, and be, uh, take care that no tan is uh, seen. So I felt really, really discriminated and uh, very bad in the situation. And I, I was dreaming of a place, a mosque, where we don't have all these discriminations for women and for the LGBT community. I have a lot of, I had and have a lot of friends from the LGBT community who are deeply believers, very peaceful, very spiritual believers and Muslims. And they're praying five times a day, they're fasting, they went to make for pilgrim and they do all the good things what you should do as a Muslim but in, in mosques they are not accepted as Muslims they are called perverse they are called sick they they have have uh, seen any kind of uh, violence and discrimination so this is very important that we stand up because not only Western people not only people in in Europe or somewhere are can be LGBT. It's very everywhere, everywhere in the world. This is uh, this is a part of human human being. This is uh, what we need. And why I talk about Islam and sexual revolution is I wrote a book about this issue, the topics uh, Islam needs a sexual revolution. I believe that uh, it's uh, still going on. What does sexual revolution means? It's a it's a political system or it's an idea of how we live together. And when we talk about sexual revolution, so we should remind and uh, not forget that 1968 and the sexual revolution in Western um, countries uh, started because people said, we want to be free in our sexuality. And people start fighting against the church, against religious leaders who wants to tell the people how they practice their sexuality. So, what did 
the 68th movement, what did the students' movement in the 68th? They fight against uh, Keynes, you know, they fight against, fight against uh, authorities and uh, religious leaders who wants to control all the details in your life. Yeah. And um, they said, stop, nobody has the right, no religious institution has the right to come into my bedroom. Yeah. So this, and women have the same right to change their partners if they want. And they have, they decide whom they want to marry and they have the same right not to marry. Yeah. So those, these are the issues when we talk about sexual revolution and also much more uh, open, open civil society, a critical society. We are talking about the open mind society when we talk about sexual revolution and the question if Islam has any chance to, to have it, or is there, is there any little seed somewhere? I, I say there's more than a little seed in all over the world, also in the Islamic countries. I can uh, prove that sexual revolution is going on since 20 years, more than 20 years anyway, because young people are looking and searching for their ways behind the carpet, you know, behind, behind the doors. For, but they are already living free and self-determinated and decide and do great careers. We have great, great young people and a, a fantastic generation in the Islamic world waiting just for freedom, waiting just for the right to shout out, shout out or, 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 or yeah, just practice and be seen. Yeah, we, we, they are covered. This is uh, maybe the, the good picture to say. Women are covered and also the uh, young men are covered uh, with, with Bart or other things. They don't have the right to show their real face and their real lifestyle. It's not a copy of Western style. This is what we have to say. What is your mission moving forward? What do you hope to achieve through your work? The mission is having more liberal mosques like our mosque, hopefully in every capital in, in Europe and show that we, there is a kind of, not a kind, there's Europe, uh, European Islam like we have in Algeria and Tunisia Saudi Arabian and whatever Islam. And um, I hope to achieve is that uh, the conservative people and traditional people uh, believe that we are not fighting against Islam, we are fighting against patriarchy and they will one day accept the debate between the conservative ones and the liberal ones. Because please, um, this is really, really important uh, to understand when we say we are practicing a liberal Islam, we never ever have the right or we say this is the true what we are doing maybe we are absolutely wrong maybe we will be confronted uh, one day with god and he will tell us you know you know what you did everything wrong so this is what i believe we are just trying to be peaceful and and give hands to everybody else and try to live in peace with everybody and this is what i i i really really would love to achieve that um, that we really come together as Muslims and accept each other in tolerance. And for those um, 
um, ideas or this uh, reason. I hope we can open an educational institute, what I anyway started and run and finished. And I, I'm working on the idea of a university, a university for universal um, schoolers. That means um, bring together all the people, plurality under a roof and debate, start, discuss and debate to speak is better than violence. Make love, not war. Make love, not war. I've read that book. <laughs> uh, on that note, thank you so much, Sarah. And it was wonderful speaking to you, an absolute honor. And I wish you all the very best of luck for all this amazing work that you are doing and that you want to do in the future. And I hope that we will get to meet someday, somewhere. And thank you again for coming on the Sanya Paruki show today. Thank you, Sanya, for your interest and for this opportunity. Thank you. And for those of you who've tuned in, thank you so much for watching. I hope that you will subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Spotify. And do subscribe to our newsletter to get all the updates on the Sanya Paruki show. I'm going to be seeing you again next week.